the learning and development market in the U.S. alone is over a $200 billion market approaching $300 billion. And that is for learning and development in corporate America. So those keywords, when you said that about your digital community, that light bulb went off in my head big time. Welcome to the iFund Women Show, where we are talking to one entrepreneur about one huge problem in her business, and we are going to help her solve it. I'm your host, Karen Kahn. My team and I founded iFund Women to help female entrepreneurs get access to the capital, the expert coaching, and the lucrative connections all designed to grow our ideas into profitable, sustainable businesses. Let's do this. Hello, iPhone Women Land. We have a very special guest today in the iPhone Women Show, a woman who really I would like to be married to. I have this these leave it to beaver fantasies <laughs> that I am a 50s housewife and I get to be June Cleaver and just yes. like look cute, do luncheons, smoke cigarettes, get the kids off to school, put on my pretty dress and like look cute for my man when he comes home and have like a hot dinner waiting. And like, I really would love a wife to Mm. do that for me. And I know, Alex, you're a founder of a company, so you can't do it. But I love you so much that I wish you could be my wife. Oh, I love you too. We always say that the women that we meet in our lives are like our co-wives. You know, they're like, we're all collectively together. But the four of us, like co-founders, we're all like in a committed relationship (laughs) with one another. For those of you who do not know Alex as well as I do, you will get to know her, but Alex Tell us about, just quickly, about The Coven and about your co-founders. Yes, of course. I'm Alex Westeinman. I'm the co-founder and partner at The Coven. Uh, We're a community and workspace of radical change makers, both physical and digital spaces. Um, We have a growing number of members, over a thousand um, in our digital community and in our physical spaces um, in the Twin Cities. We have one in Minneapolis, one in St. Paul. Um, I have four co-founders. It's myself, Aaron, Bethany, and Liz. We all met in the advertising industry. Um, it served us really well because we're all great marketers, but you know, the industry itself was like very madmen. Um, and there's so many great people who are working really hard to change it, but we wanted to change the world. And so we left the advertising industry, um, to create something better, to create the workplace that we knew we deserved to, to live in. Um, and we really center all of our programming, our events, our everything around women, non-binary and trans folks. Um, we're open to all, but really centered around their experiences. We know for sure um, they're the ones who who need all the money, right? All the money for all the women, Karen Kahn, TM. <laughs> I, totally. So, yeah, and I think probably what you were referring to in corporate America in general, whether it's advertising or finance or whatever, all of us were, I, I won't say all of us, all of us on this podcast, you and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> we left the corporate work structure because, you know, it was male, white male dominated. And it wasn't a place for us. And there are many other tens of millions of women who have done the same, which is why the freelance economy has become so enormous, such enormous opportunity, which is also probably why you guys are doing so well. And you've weathered the storm with a physical co-working space. You opened up your second space during the pandemic. Is that correct? Yeah, so just six weeks before the pandemic hit in Minneapolis, we hit our we opened up our second location, um, and we had so much momentum. We came off of 2019 being a really challenging year for us. We were fundraising 
kind of took our eye off the ball for a little bit. We were all over the place in terms of trying to, you know, keep momentum from when we first opened because we raised $350,000 on the iPhone Women platform. Um, And it was phenomenal. I mean, we just, we had so much momentum. And then 2019 came and we started fundraising and again, took our eye off the sales ball and things weren't going as well as we had hoped. And then um, we opened our second location and we just like got to work and we were growing at like an astronomical rate. And then the pandemic hit and it was like somebody had pulled the brakes and it wasn't us. It's incredible that you survived. Two things happened in 2020. Um, And, you know, we could have probably predicted like that we'd be able to pivot quickly because of the way that we've reacted to changes in our business. You know, 2019 happened and then Q4 of 2019, we had the best quarter we've ever had because we just got to work. When the pandemic shut us down, we turned around a digital community within 24 hours of having to close our space and we rocket shipped, doubled our membership in four, you know, in three months. When George Floyd happened, we got to work because we knew we had to. But all of this is like in response to what community needs. To some respect, it's like, can we make money on this venture? Of course. But in other respects, it's like, what does the community ask for? And that's how, we'll, that's how we'll follow the money trail. I feel like sometimes it's the opposite way that founders think about it is like, how can I make money the fastest? And I think for us, we're like, well, what does community need? How do we make sure that the needs are met? And then how do we fund it, fund that, you know, um, in other ways? Everybody, that is a signpost and I'm not allowed to do sound <laughs> effects anymore. So ding, ding to the freaking ding. <laughs> People listen up to that because most entrepreneurs will start businesses because they need the money. Women entrepreneurs largely are necessity entrepreneurs. Therein lies a bunch of problems in terms of trying to get to product market fit because if you are starting a business because you need money, getting customers is really hard and finding product market fit is really hard. But But it's almost like you've reversed engineered it. You had the business with the community, but it wasn't until you really started to listen to what the community needed. And that's almost like where you are. And it's like, okay, we know what they need. How can we sell them the products they need or get the sponsorship for yeah, these I mean, services? I think- All right. So let's get down to biznatch. Who are your customers, Alex West Diamond? So who are your customers for the, like, and really like get deep with me. Who are, yeah. who are the people that use the spaces the most and who are your power digital users and are they yeah. different? So our physical space members are typically entrepreneurs or freelancers. So most of them are, most of the majority of our members are women, non-binary or trans folks. I would say the majority are women femme identifying, um, but we do have some men in our space, um, particularly in our private office spaces. So we have, you know, companies that have, you know, mixed gender teams. Um, many of them are in the creative industry, but we also have, you know, lawyers and uh, accountants and, you know, folks who provide business services. And they love co-working spaces because they know that there's a lot of people there <laughs> who need their help. So um, that's right. You know, we have kind of a, an amazing ecosystem where folks are able to offer services and ask for services in the same spot. So that's our physical members. Um, we do have a, a handful of folks in our physical spaces who have more corporate jobs or they have a team that they work for, um, so they're employees, um, and they have some sort of um, you know stipend or their team has bought a team membership into our space. And that segment is growing because most places that have had private offices, like teams that are kind of 
small to mid-sized businesses, like two to 50 people, they're getting rid of their leases because no one wants to go back into their, you know, stingy, dingy offices. And so, yeah, you know, that's they true. Wanna, we're doing they the same wanna, thing. Yeah. They want to come to a place that's like, you know, honors all of their lived experiences. They want to come to a place that's like enticing to be at. Um, and you know, beautiful. Have, Your spaces are gorgeous and cool. If, yeah. I mean, if I had a choice to like sit at home um, or go to like, you know, a corporate office, I would probably choose just to sit at home and do the Zoom call. But if I get an opportunity to go to a destination and be taken care of for a day and feel like leave feeling filled up um, more than depleted after my work day, I would want to go there. So that's what kind of the the team memberships in our in our physical spaces are, are growing a lot. In our digital side, we have kind of two core two core places. I would say it's a little bit more evenly split there. We have entrepreneurs, um, a lot of folks who are, um, you know, I would categorize freelancers as entrepreneurs too, but a lot of people with like Absolutely. You know, sole proprietorships essentially that are just getting a business off the ground or have a dream and are ready to launch it. And then on the other side of this, we have corporate folks, people who are looking for leadership development, you know, their companies aren't necessarily, you know, maybe investing in training for them or the training doesn't really suit them, right? It's like not representative. Um, it comes from like a very white male lens. Um, it maybe isn't super equity focused. And so they're here for, you know, where can I be around a bunch of like-hearted people, but a diverse group of folks that I can um, get to know and understand and, and also learn from. And so we have this group, this dynamic group of corporate side and entrepreneurial side, which makes for a really like interesting mix of, of individuals together. Absolutely. And it gives me an idea. Okay. So tell us, Miss AWS, what <laughs> is the one problem that you want us to help you think through? Yeah, well, we're on a rocket ship and we're about to launch this digital community uh, nationally. So we received funding last year. We've got a marketing team in place. We've got a ton of content that's being developed. Think of it like masterclass, but really relevant things that are tangible. <laughs> um, so we're really excited about the ability to put that into the world and and get that into more hands. Right now, most of our audience is in the Twin Cities. We have some folks from around the country, but we're really focused on how do we grow this nationally. So we've got a great marketing plan in place, but we're Maybe I'm a little nervous. Like we haven't been in another market before, and so I know iPhone Women originally had this, um, you know, market strategy where you were in, you know, the Twin Cities, you were in Nashville, you were in places that actually were really interested in going into too. Yeah. And so I would be curious, like, what are some strategies for for growth um, on the national level um, as we scale from, you know, Twin Cities based to nationally based? Yep, absolutely, and I think that it's funny that you bring up our sort of our cohorts because yeah. you know, we didn't invent crowdfunding and we're not just a crowdfunding company anymore, but our, our MVP product was a crowdfunding product. So we were like, how can we really differentiate? And what do people care about? People care about their local communities. People care about supporting businesses in their local communities. So we did partner with mayors and governors in key cities and states to launch iFund women cohorts. So iFund women, Boston, iFund women, Maryland, iPhone Moon Raleigh, it goes on and on and on, Seattle, so on and so forth. And what was great about that, and by the way, like rip that play out of our playbook and take it yeah. for real. And I know you definitely have ins at the Minneapolis level on leadership, but it's not hard to get 
connected to mayors of major cities, especially when you are offering a service to entrepreneurs who are the backbone of these economies. And I know that's like everyone says entrepreneurs are the backbone and it's become like as cliche as these unprecedented times. Yeah. We're the backbone. But we but are. it's true. But it's true. So when we went to the mayor of Boston, one of the biggest cities in the country, and we said, hey, we want to prop up an iFund Women Boston cohort. You don't have to do anything except mm. for tweet and put out this press release that like, hey, iFund Women Boston is here. We're going to coach people on how to crowdfund. And then we're going to have a pitch competition for even more cash. And you're going to get all this press and blah, blah, blah. And he like tweeted like a mad dog. And it was super, super successful. And they didn't have to put up any money. So that would be one way to go to market. But I want to make sure I'm understanding the problem we're trying to solve here correctly. So you have your two spaces. And the physical spaces, you have plans to expand. And is that what we're talking about? Or are you talking about expanding and monetizing the digital platform? We're talking about expanding and continuing to monetize the digital platform. So physical space is definitely on the horizon someday, but with the way that the real estate market is right now and COVID, we're kind of on edge a little bit about moving Especially where you want to go. Like I know exactly. you guys were going to Nashville and it's like one of the most expensive places to live right now. It's crazy. And what we're excited about is being able to provide something that those markets don't have, right? The middle of the country, the southern parts of the country, inclusive spaces, spaces for women, non-binary and trans folks. That is like the ultimate goal is to expand physically. But where we want to test is how do we create market penetration with the digital community, grow a big enough awareness so that when we get there physically, eventually, we have a market. So that is that makes total sense. What I loved hearing about was the corporate people in the network because entrepreneurs like that's a layup it, it, and it's not easy to monetize entrepreneurs in fact it's harder as you know yeah, they don't have any cause, money because <laughs> we because we broke um but i love the fact that you are focused in the digital community on providing networking and mentorship opportunities for corporate women because this market is severely underserved especially the women, women of color, non-binary folks. And I'm seeing in my brain a curriculum, a coven corporate curriculum that you guys develop and you sell to these companies like Target or whomever. Well, it's, it's digital, so you can sell it to anyone. anyone. Sell them to Google. I mean, the learning and development market in the U.S. alone is over a $200 billion market approaching $300 billion. And that is for learning and development in corporate America. So those keywords, when you said that about your digital community, that light bulb went off in my head big time because lots of people are serving entrepreneurs. And by the way, there's a million seats at the table. Bring it on. There's so many entrepreneurs that we haven't even gotten to. If you're getting to them and teaching them shit, great. Like that's awesome. Rising tide lives all boats, like truly. So God bless and Godspeed. But it's it's hard to monetize entrepreneurs because we broke. So- But the corporations aren't broke. And if you're offering really meaty programming, and it doesn't even have to be like the DEI lens, even if you're offering DEI coaching or DEI leadership and development, Mm -hmm. that's where the money's at. That's where I would invest in programming if I were doing what you're doing. Because you're always going to get the entrepreneurs and the freelancers, which is great. And I love that you're building that marketplace kind of IRL, which is really the future. 
what's going to be a big challenge for freelancers is finding customers. So the fact that you're making those facilitations happen is cool also. But I would, if I were you really differentiating, I would lean into corporate. I really would. Yeah. Also because the four of you are from a very large corporate institution. And so you know how the corporate world works. You know yeah. what it's like to be a woman and a woman of color in the corporate world. You and your co-founders know what it's like to be non-binary in the corporate world. So who better to create really rich programming for corporations to do it right and yeah. deploy it through your digital memberships? Yeah, I think that's really interesting, Karen. We've done a little bit of um, testing in that space, working with different corporations to bring them into our digital community, get them connected um, We've built programs specifically for corporate folks. Um, one area that we've um, done a little bit of work in is in consulting, so doing research within an organization. So two of my co-founders have a market research background, and they're just like the most brilliant question askers you could possibly know. Um, and so we built this entire kind of community pulse conversation structure where we can you know, pulse in focus groups, um, at like 100 people at a time, where it's like, all um, via chat online. And it's so cool because you get a chance to understand where communities are coming from, but also get sentiment. Like, so do you agree with this statement as a professional of color? Do you think that, you know, your corporation is doing a good job by hiring a, you know, diversity inclusion officer or whatever? Does that make you feel safer at work? So we have all Ooh, these great I'm insights. I'm so interested that in that answer. No, nobody feels safer from their DEI officer. <laughs> Okay, I feel vindicated because I'm always shitting all over the letters because I feel like it's just tokenism and it's a bunch of bullshit. Well, because... if it doesn't if it doesn't resonate with the rest of the leadership team, like it doesn't matter if you have one person in the organization who cares about it. Like that doesn't, you know, if it doesn't resonate with the, you know, from top to bottom, from, you know, side to side, if you're not all like rowing the boat in the same direction, if the CEO doesn't care about it, but you have a DEI officer, like... That's not going to make any difference. You know, you're going to stand up a couple of programs that aren't going to be successful. And, like, and these you are know the that because you're in, you're getting the insights from the employees. That is the so... the community is telling us, yeah. Oh so my gosh, we have these that's great so reports fascinating. That we've, yeah, we have these great reports we've put together and um, are sharing out with different corporate organizations to do their own pulses and to help them, you know, get to those, you know, not just the conclusions, but what are the actions after this? We've done enough listening, right? Like... <laughs> Yeah. We've been talking for 400 years about how to stop being assholes. So I think like, <laughs> you know, now we're ready for some, now for some the action, time to like put some action into it. And so communities are saying they've laid, we've laid out a blueprint, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's what accountability looks like. Here's what change management looks like. And being able to put that in front of organizations is, is so key. Dude, that's it. Like charge a lot for that. Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. You know, I think the bigger our digital community grows too, the, the bigger our sample size of insights grows. And so it's like they're feeding each other, you know, this, this Absolutely. kind of Absolutely. Research is so critical. It may be shocking to some. It's always shocking to me when the Wall Street Journal reaches out to teeny little life on women for data <laughs> yeah, on right? entrepreneurs. And we do have a pretty big data set. We have a data set of hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs yeah. that they voluntarily give us information in exchange for being up for grants. And it's not, we don't share any PII ever, ever, ever. Right. We are so maniacal with our data privacy. But the insights 
that we can glean from the data, which is fresh AF, right. is it's actually, it's astounding even to me. We were put in the McKinsey lean-in WSJ it's so report cool. for 2020 <laughs> for Women so in the cool. Workplace, which is so, inc- it's so cool. And they're coming back to us for more stuff, which is awesome. But it was, I'm telling you this because I was so surprised to get that call. I'm like, wow, we really have the insights, the no BS, unfiltered insights that is what every corporation that actually gives a shit. And there are a lot more. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more companies that actually genuinely care and that have CEOs that really do care. And yes, the DE&I person's in there and that's clearly not effective, but the spend towards creating a more inclusive and safe workplace is just increasing. And so capitalizing on that, I think, could be your secret weapon. I love that. And it could also allow you to keep your community free. So how much do you charge? Well, right now it's $25 a month, $275 annually. We're changing that as we go nationally. So it'll be $19 a month and $179 annually. I'm glad you're charging for it. All right. Learning and development budgets are massive. At the core of it, what the coven represents, at least to me, and maybe to you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a super inclusive, available space for learning, growing your career in whichever way, shape, or form that takes. Accurate? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly, it's work, learn, grow. Work, <laughs> learn, it. grow. That's great. And so when you close your eyes and if, if it's like the holy grail, wouldn't it be amazing to just let all the people join the community for free. Sure, yeah. I mean, if we had all the money in the world to like fund that, that would be amazing. Great. Who has all the money in the world? Corporations. (laughs) Amazing. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you have already monetized your research to some extent. Yeah, we've done a couple Community Pulse conversations and we're using those as marketable opportunities so you can like download the report when we get your email, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so I don't want to like derail from what you came here to get done, but I will just, we'll put the corporation thing aside, but I will say that I think that that is a massive opportunity for you to go and create curriculum for specific corporations and now that it's it could be a global platform. Obviously, it's a U.S. platform, and there's plenty of money in the U.S., but the fact that you guys are experts and you and your three co-founders are a diverse set of ladies, you don't all look alike, you don't all right. have the same lived experience, and neither does your community, which makes it even that much more powerful and yeah. worth more. more of yeah. it. I mean, you're just worth more than other communities yeah. that are just like all white or all black or all one thing. You're worth more because you've got so you've got thousands of different types of people and your sample size and your sample set is just going to keep growing. So the insights that you can glean from your community is very very valuable. So let's just think about that and put that to the side for now and let's talk about growing your digital community nationally and monetizing. I think your price points are great, by the way. I think yes. that for freelancers and prosumers and entrepreneurs, there's so many digital communities that are competing for their wallet yeah. that the entry point to being in the community needs to be at an ex- a very accessible price point. And I think you're there. Yeah. 
I think where you want to hit them on the upsell is obviously what you're doing with education, with startup education. So tell me about how that's going in terms of selling masterclasses or selling masterminds or doing cohorts and things like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought up cohorts. So, so far we've been able to, you know, use the programming that we currently have. um, And we've shot a ton in 2021 that were like put on our platform and have marketed to some extent, but now we've got some like fuel behind it. So we've got some paid media that will, you know, hopefully will increase, um, you know, retention and, and increase awareness that we even have that type of programming. Because before people were coming for live events, right? In person or, you know, Zoom conversations. But what we found was that, you know, so many folks were looking for tangible conversations. They couldn't spend an hour and a half on a Zoom after spending an entire day on a Zoom. So what's special about, you know, that interaction with a host or with a facilitator who has, you know, a wealth of knowledge to share is that, you know, we can take their hour and a half and distill it to like, here's a 10 minute episode on how to set up your LLC today. You know, here's a five minute, um, you know, deep breathing exercise when you're feeling overwhelmed by your business or by your leadership experience. Like these are things that we can put out into the world and give them bite-sized quantities. So Oh, what, I actually, I need that. That's It's amazing. There's like this great, um, we work with a psychologist who goes through kind of a, you know, five steps of like, this is what burnout is. This is you, how you know you're experiencing it. And this is how to stop it before it happens or, you know, get out of it when you are in it. So it's like real things that are going to help, you know? I so, feel like I need to get a corporate membership for, for all iPhone women people because we don't have that content. Like, and do burnout it. is real. Burnout is totally so good. real. So you're, you're putting out all this content and it's evergreen content that, you know, you've shot it. It's going to be in your library, searchable, blah. Okay. What about the cohort stuff? Cohorts we've found work really well. You don't want to get on a Zoom for a million hours. You want to consume shorter bite-sized content. But I think at the end of the day, what people are still craving are connections to people. Like you and I are looking at each other, even though this is a podcast. I'm looking at you. I'm feeling all the feels in my heart because I'm getting to see you. And for us, the cohort model, whether we're teaching people to crowdfund or do whatever else, works so well. And people look forward to their weekly meeting and they become friends. And that's what really drive. of course, the learning and the fundraising after and the higher raises and all that is the raison d'etre, right? That's the reason for people to come and do it. Mm -hmm. But we hear time and time again in the exit surveys that the best part about the crowdfunding cohort was, yes, the money, but a close second was the friends they made and the collaborators Mm -hmm. they met And now you have the opportunity to do that nationally. It's going to be even more powerful. And think about sector-specific cohorts. Mm -hmm. So does this resonate? Yeah. So tell me more about your cohort experience. Because for us, we think of it like, you know, we have these asynchronous programs that people can take. And then what we would maybe practice is like a weekly check-in while you're going through those modules, like on a, you know, whatever, Wednesday night or something to say, hey, like, how's it going? Have you watched this episode? Like, this is your accountability buddy saying like, watch the shit. And now let's like talk about it together, you know? Um, So do you do a mix of asynchronous and synchronous learning opportunities together? Okay. First of all, those words are very large. What, watch your shit or... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So for all the listening audience and for Karen Khan, describe what you mean by asynchronous and synchronous. Asynchronous would be on-demand content that you can watch at any time. Netflix, for instance, that you can like find on your own. Uh, synchronous is something facilitated by somebody that happens at a specific time. Uh, it may be recorded and you could watch it later, but the synchronous part of it is like you're watching it in sync as it happens and there's ways for you to interact with the facilitator. Got it. So synchronous is you and I talking together. Correct. Over the Zoom. Asynchronous is um, it's on demand. Yeah. Getting back to on demand versus like in person, having a group together. So our experience has been that if we have a cohort of people, um, max size 20, and even 20 is big, but 20 is nice because, you know, not everybody can come to every meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20 is a nice size. And it's about a certain topic. So let's just use crowdfunding as a basic example. We'll do crowdfunding cohorts that will run for six weeks. So that model actually really works. So Olivia Owens has been iterating on this cohort model for now going on five years. And she's finally got it right where we're doing it in groups. And the sessions are group sessions, which is why 20 people is really the most you want to have. You're on the Zoom. People are not on mute. And, you know, yes, there are some times where we're just teaching. We're like, okay, here's how you network map. And everyone just like go on mute for 20 minutes and we're going to show you how to do it and we're going to walk you through and put your questions in the chat. I mean, it's basic. But when everyone comes off mute and they're asking their questions, it's so great because there's always going to be people that are shy or that think their questions are dumb, which by the way, none of them are ever dumb. And then there's always going to be the loudmouths like me who's going to be like, what does that mean? I don't understand what that is. And then you're going to have a bunch of people in chat being like, oh, thank God she asked that question. I had no clue. I was embarrassed to ask. So the camaraderie in a cohort in group learning sessions, it's just like being in class. It's being like being in school. And we have found that when we do these exit polls and exit surveys, people are so jazzed about obviously the learning and they go on and crowdfund and they raise more money and that's all wonderful because the efficacy of the things you're teaching are that's the gold like that's at the end of the day people are paying good money to be in this crowdfunding cohort because they want to raise more money and that's what we are responsible for making sure happens number one number two they're telling us that oh so and so and i are collaborating because i needed a graphic designer and she is one So it's, we really are doing such analogous things and the cohort model is fantastic. There's a start and an end, depending on what you're teaching there. It could be a two week thing. It could be a boot camp where it's like a one week boot camp. I love that. So we just answered, like we, we kind of co-coached each other. Yeah. We collaborated. We collaborated. (laughs) Collaborated. We coached, we coached, collaborated. (laughs) But we did because I think that's what you got to do. Like I think these cohorts on very specific things. And these can be for corporate women. They could be for entrepreneurs. Like you said, there's a million things under the sun that entrepreneurs and corporate women need to get educated on. You have the experts at your disposal and you can charge, you know, a grand for them, two grand, depending on what it is. Totally. I think that's a great way to monetize. The digital membership piece is hard. Just like becoming a digital member of a community, we're just finding people aren't going to pay a lot for that unless they're getting the specific one-on-one coaching or the cohort about that specific thing. So it's like you could just say like, 
okay, if you want to be a member of the coven and get all, you know, get the content and get the videos, 19 bucks a month, great. Like you're going to have thousands of people paying for that and that's going to be awesome recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be in the crowdfunding mastermind where you're going to be raising 30 or 40 or $50,000 for your business, that's going to cost you 2,500 bucks. And it's going to be this, this, and this is this. It's going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's a really interesting model. I mean, I think right now all of like the access to the community is essentially the access to everything. And what I loved, what you talked about before with the corporate groups is how do we get them to supplement kind of everything else, right? So it's like we can get you in, you know, 300 people from an organization can come in and be a part of, you know, multiple cohorts over the course of, you know, however long taking learning and development opportunities like that's a huge ticket. You know, that's a huge price point that could supplement, you know, allowing all of our entrepreneurs and freelancers and, you know, individual leaders who join our community to have access to that for free. So I think that's really cool. I think that's the pitch. And I think the pitch to corporates is, look, we're going to give your women and non-binary folks all access to the digital space. Mm -hmm. For example, let's, I'm just going to use Target because they're in Minneapolis. So let's just use that. They're my so, white whale, by the way. I'm going to win you one of these days. <laughs> I've been talking oh, to them for four years. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Oh, we'll get this in front of Target. That'll be fun. For realsies. Okay, yeah. Target, listen up. This is what you guys need to do. <laughs> what I think is so freaking valuable and not I think I know is so freaking valuable is are the insights from your community about what is working and what is not working in corporate America in relation to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the data that you continue to capture is your goldmine. And so if you go to a brand like Target and say, hey, we've got research that shows X, Y, and Z, and or we can do proprietary studies for you so you can actually know who to hire and know what programming to do that is Mm -hmm. going to be not a waste of your money. Because by the way, this other thing you're doing is a waste of your money. We know that. And here's why. That could be like your yeah. teaser content. Totally. And so the package could be, okay, Target, buy a year's worth of research and or training for your people of color and non-binary folks, or not even training, support circles, training for your white executives, training for all your executives on how to be great allies to women and non-binary folks by the package of research and data and programming. And with that package, all your people are going to get access to the platform for free. And we're going to do a one-to-one. So Target, if you have 20,000 corporate women and non-binary folks, I'm making that number up, in Mm -hmm. Target corporate, they are all going to get access to the Coven Digital. And we're going to match that one for one because what that's going to do is that's going to now say, okay, you're going to get another 20,000 free members who are in that space from all over the country. Thank you, Target, for giving these fine folks opportunities to learn and grow in their career. Target can market the heck out of that. That makes them look so good because that is so good to do. And on top of it, they are getting the data and insights that they need to be the best employer out there. I love that. 
That's so important. I mean, I think they, I would hope that they'd bite on that, right? And not only do they get to take care of their employees, they get to take care of their community, which is something that they say is really important to them. So I don't know. I think like you nailed it. That's our marketing campaign. Okay. So to wrap up <laughs> AWS, okay, it. so we came into this conversation, this collaborative coaching moment that we're having, talking about how to grow and monetize your digital community, which is now national, which is amazing. Your pricing structure is spot on. And the way we're going to do it is twofold. Number one, start those very specific learning and development cohorts. And then the other thing I think is like the dark horse is the enterprise. Yeah. I think if you can crack one big one, you're going to get them all to come. That's like next on my list. I'm so glad that we talked about that because I think that, I mean, it's been something we've been talking about and it's just, this was the fuel that I needed to close some deals. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And I think it's just about focus. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you've got to focus on one thing and do it well. You've got two amazing opportunities. You've got to focus on one, run the numbers, see which is one is going to make you more money and has the lowest CAC and go with that cohorts or corporate focus 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 you got this girl i'm on it thanks karen thanks iphone women crew i love you guys we love you too and thank you for joining us and we will see you all next time on the iphone women show peace Peace.